This is Durant out too. And the Golden State Warriors have completely unraveled. Ever since I was a kid, I've always learned every position on the floor. When I started playing ball for some odd reason, I could, I could learn every single position on the floor. Anthony Davis out of the game. He apparently tweaked the knee in pregame. And Jordan Bell will right in. Oh, he threw it off the backboard. And three. Mark and so is this game. Welcome back to Home Court right here on TSN 1050. Second hour as we roll on talking hoops and later on in the hour, 2.30 p.m., Blazers beat writer Casey Holdall will join us. We'll talk Monday night's game as we have the Blazers and the Raptors in NBA action, but a lot has happened in the past seven days since our last show in the NBA. A coach has been fired. Someone was tweeting from the hair salon because they didn't want to be there. LeVar has been LeVar. LeBron is now a point guard again. And, you know, Bradley Beal likes to headlock people and choke them from behind. A lot has happened in the NBA, gentlemen. Let's jump right into it. We obviously know out. We'll go west and we'll go to Phoenix because it's a little warmer than it is here today in Toronto. It's probably sunnier. Earl Watson gets fired a couple of hours or minutes after Eric Bledsoe decides to tweet from where he said he was at the hair salon. I think I think Eric got fired first before. I think that I think he got fired and then the tweet came out. No, the tweet came out and then he was fired. And then the, well then the announcement that he was being fired came out. So who who knows what you know chicken or the egg does you don't really know. Right. But Eric Bledsoe apparently was at a hair salon. He didn't want to be there. He tweeted that he didn't want to be here but did not say where here was. Left you know, Twitter NBA, as we like to call it, for speculation. And then the announcement comes out that the Suns are firing Earl Watson, which is unfortunate. And then all of a sudden, the Suns decide that they're going to start shopping Eric Bledsoe around to teams. And more news then came out that included with that would be Tyson Chandler. Well, first of all, congrats to Jay Triano, who was the associate head co- associate coach with the Suns, who's now the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, 2-0. Two, two yeah, exactly. You know what? He's got it. The young guys, and they're like just trying to like develop these young players. So the pressure isn't necessarily to win right now. So um, he's you know he did a good job in Portland. He's there as well. He can develop them. So congrats to him. Uh, unfortunately for Earl Watson, it's kind of weird that so early in the season you fire your coach. Whether if you weren't sure about him, he shouldn't have been. Anyways, the, the Suns are a number of questions. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe <laughs> asked in the preseason to be traded before, so his tweet wasn't news to management. So it's kind of odd that they've taken this, you know, immediate stance and a question of what he's done. I mean, he said to them he wanted to be traded. It's like having a relationship saying, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. And then you tweet, and then obviously you get upset. It's like, it's not, it wasn't a surprise to us, it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to everyone else. So the Suns are trying to get rid of him, um, lowering his value at the process, I feel, as well. Yep. And getting rid of Tyson, which I guess, you know, get the older guys out for some new guys. They're an interesting organization and not in the most complimentary way. Would you say they're a dumpster fire? No, I mean, I think a lot of things have happened in Phoenix. A lot of people have opportunities to go or didn't have things good to say when they left. Aside from their training staff, their training staff is amazing. They can make Grant Hill, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, those guys, and they're great players. But um, they haven't had much success. And what, what's the real direction for that for their franchise? Um, but not dumpster fire. They've got some kids. I mean, they've got some intriguing young players that haven't necessarily developed 
especially well to this point, which I think is the concern. I mean, Devin Booker is probably the exception there. He's looked real good over the last few years. We still haven't seen a whole lot out of uh, Dragon Bender and and Marquis or Marcus Chris. Mr. Chris. Marquise Chris, I believe. Marquise Chris. Um, and, And then we'll see... What happens with with Jackson? I yep. mean, he he's had ups and downs, as you might expect, early in his rookie year. It's tough because, I mean, as you mentioned, Dwayne, I think in any scenario where a player comes out and and says he wants to be traded, and then to make the issue to make the the, the situation even worse, you send the player home, and and it, it's. Common knowledge that yep. the guy is is on the block and on his way out, your leverage shrinks drastically, and and all of a sudden his value is is rock bottom. Right. Uh, we we saw it didn't affect Cleveland's ability to cash in on Kyrie Irving. Right. But Kyrie Irving is in a different tier than Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is a good player, but. I'm not sure how much value there is for a guy like that at a position that is super deep in the NBA right now. It's the biggest reason why I think Kyle Lowry's market was limited over the offseason. Everyone's got a good point guard, and if you don't have a good point guard, you've got a good young point guard um, that you have uh, high hopes for and that you want to actually play and have developed. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bledsoe, who's interested, what they end up getting, because you are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. You want to move him, you need to move him, but for the sake of the franchise and its future, you can't afford to give away a player like that for free. Last thing on Houston, you mentioned super deep at the point guard position. This is a franchise that had Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, and Bledsoe on the roster at the same time, like and three, the Morris brothers too, right? But even I'm talking the, the point guard point position guard alone. Position. Like that's that those are those are guys who are all starting, you know, in, in the NBA or high level. So, and they weren't able to make it work. So, good luck, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely be interesting. Going now to Los Angeles, we saw them last night. We didn't really get to touch much on him, but your thoughts on Lonzo Ball so far? He had a tough start and then had a really good bounce-back game. And then last night, not the best line, only five points. I believe like six or seven assists and nine rebounds, not a very Lonzo Ball-like stat line, but also was benched in the fourth quarter against the Raptors last night. Well, based on what we've seen about Lonzo Ball in the NBA, he's going to have like a phenomenal game next game. He tends to bounce back after he has like not so good a mediocre game. So um, I think consistency is the key. I mean, his numbers are great. His shooting is, he's shooting like a little over 30%, which isn't good. Um, But, you know, when he was on the floor, you could tell the guy has, he gets it. He has a good basketball IQ, um, can move the ball really well. So he's going to find his way. But I mean, after he has like a a tough game, he tends to bounce bounce back. So... I'm not really worried about Lonzo. I think he's coming along. Yeah, I mean, the, the jump shot is clearly a work in progress, which we expected. And if you're uh, an opposing team, that's got to be at the top of the scouting report. And that's got to be a big part of your game plan, not only against Ball, but against the Lakers. You want to dare them to shoot. You want to give them space. Don't allow him to be a playmaker because even at, at this young age now, 20 years old and a day, um, he 
is already mature beyond his years as right. a playmaker. To your point, Dwayne, he sees the floor. He makes great decisions. And he's a dynamic player. He's fun to watch. So he, he's going to be a good one. And, and he's a big part of, obviously, what the Lakers are hoping to do over the coming years. But, yeah, I mean, it, I'm not sure how much you can improve something like that during the season. But I imagine much of his summer it yep. is going to be spent working on that jump shot. Yeah, and as you know, you put aside his dad and everything he has to say, and I would agree with both of you. His his basketball IQ is phenomenal, and he is fun to watch. Let's go now east to the state capital, the na- sorry, the nation's capital, and by nation's capital, I mean of the United States, and we'll go to Washington. Although the game was in Oakland last night, oh man. Draymond Green and Bradley Beal in the little dust-up. And I imagine, last night, I don't know about you guys, but Kiki Vandaway had a very busy night last night because he's going he's gonna to be the one that has to hand down all the fines, suspensions, whatever it may be. But both Bradley Beal and Draymond Green get, a, get uh, ejected from the game last night. Draymond Green was ejected because it was his second technical, not for the actual fight, just because he picked up the second technical from the melee. Uh, Bradley Beal automatically ejected because of him instigating the fight and, quite frankly, choking Draymond Green from behind, which is unfortunate. I don't know about you guys, but in my, in my opinion, I actually side with Draymond in the fact that his retaliation, in my opinion, was warranted because he was in flight or fight mode and was simply protecting himself from someone choking him from behind. Anyone in that situation, they're going to retaliate back. Yeah, I think Draymond, I mean, Draymond automatically, if you hear there's a fight without knowing, you're thinking that Draymond kicked someone or did something. Like, <laughs> he's, he's got a reputation, but right. look at the situation. It wasn't really, it was, it was a lot of wrestling more than anything else. I think it's going to be a bigger issue because it fell into the stands, and that's something that's yes. very stringent on whether you want the safety of their fans where, where things are happening. And some guys did come off the bench. But, um, you know, it was a couple of shots and then a lot of wrestling, as most basketball fights are. But, um, you know, it's unfortunate if um, it got, he's going to miss some time. I mean, the Warriors, the, the Wizards were up in a lot of that game, and I think losing Bradley Beal hurt yes. the Warrior, the Wizards far more than the Warriors. And that's sort of hard to believe, right? Because, I mean, we know how important Draymond is yeah. to the Warriors. His uh, departure in the season opener with that injury in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. is what turned things in, in the favor of, of Houston. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean... The Wizards have really come to rely on that all-star, all-star backcourt or semi-all-star backcourt, <laughs> I guess. I, Bradley Beal will be yeah. an all-star. Um, Bradley Beal, now that he's stayed healthy over the last year and a bit, has become a really good, really important player. Um, I mean, fortunately for both of these teams, that even if there are suspensions handed down, it's early enough in the year that right. it really doesn't right. matter. But, I mean, yeah, that, that was a fun game, too. It's a, It's a shame that... We weren't able to spend more time locked in on it. We were on Raptors duty last night. But yeah, that got our attention immediately. We had the split screen here, and all of a sudden we see Just, guys going down, like bear hugging right. each other. It was it was pretty it was pretty insane because I, I was I was listening to the first half um, while at work, and then I, I was able to get home before it actually started, like before that started, right before the second half, before the first half ended, and then seeing the rest of the game. And a lot of players afterwards were saying that 
they're actually putting some of this blame on the officials because they allowed the trash talk and, you know, the back and forth between players to get so out of control that the officials didn't have control and it was going to boil over at some point, which you can't necessarily just put that on the officials. These are all grown men. They need to handle themselves accordingly. But it's also disappointing that it spilled into the stands and fans could have been injured because, I mean, we saw Kelly Oubre actually punch John Wall in the back of the head thinking it was someone from the Warriors. That could have been a fan right yeah and then now how does the how does the nba handle that if it's a fan that gets hit by a player how do you handle that so a lot of things could have happened in that situation just from it spilling in to the stands in that front row courtside area but luckily luckily enough none of the players were hurt and none of the fans were hurt from it spilling over but it was definitely an interesting game and it ended up being an exciting game down the stretch too with the warriors coming back and yet another NBA jersey ripped again. Yes. That's three so far in how many, how many weeks? <laughs> it's, it's been a few, but we'll continue on here. We'll talk about the Portland and the Raptors coming up on Monday. And we will hear from Portland beat writer Casey Holdall later on in the show. Keep it locked right here on Home Courts TSN. Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Raptors headquarters. A reminder for Raptors fans, Wednesday at 9 p.m. The Raptors will be in the mile high taking on the Denver Nuggets. You can hear the game right here on TSN 1050. Tip-off is set for 9 p.m. Jonesy will have the call and it'll be with Jack or Sherm. It's always a fun surprise to find out who you're going to call a game with in that situation. It's always I wonder what it's like for Jonesy in that situation. Jones is always ready. He's always ready. So is Jack. So is Sherm. They're they're a good trio to go between. But some fun stuff happened throughout this past week of the NBA. I want to talk a little bit more about it. I imagine fans have seen some of the tweets and the pictures that came out in the early morning, late night, last night from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't know after if that's they, fun if you're flying on that plane. <laughs> after you, after they finally and safely touched down in Chicago. The damage to their charter is its a ginormous dent in the front end of the plane that looks like they literally, in flight, 30,000 feet, just flew into a ginormous snowball. And it dented. It is ridiculous. Carmel Anthony tweeted it. Um, I, I think like three or four of them tweeted it out. But yeah, I saw I, Mellows. I saw, I saw Pots on Instagram. Yeah. I saw Mellows and it, the fact, but it's good because they're all safe. So that's all that matters. But it's it's crazy. Like, what are you flying into? At they're that saying late at night? it was a bird, but like, was if it Big Bird? If you, yeah. it would have to be <laughs> Superman. If you've seen yeah. this picture, uh, yeah, that that's scary. Yeah, the full nose of the plane is basically caved in. It's, and I think if I'm on a plane, you have to have heard that. You know what I mean? And if I'm a pilot, I'm like, it's kind of crazy because you don't see that happening very often. Right. Um, but fortunately, everyone is, is, is safe. Yes, that's the, that's the important part. That is the only part that matters is that they are all safe. So thoughts to them, and we're happy they're all safe, and hopefully they can get a new charter for their flights throughout the rest of the season. Ty Lu and the Cleveland Cavaliers gentlemen is is the for, the fourth time the charm cuz today will be their fourth new starting lineup that they will put out against the New Orleans Pelicans. Today they will start Rose, Smith, James, Love and Thompson. What is going on in Cleveland that they can't seem to figure out what's going I mean, I know they got hit with injuries with Derrick Rose going down, but he's now back and being put into starting lineup. We know Dwayne Wade was in the starting lineup then went to the bench to bring JR Smith and a lot of it's like twister over tweaking. there. Tweaking, a lot of tweaking. Um 
I never thought that Dwayne Wade should be starting for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I think Dwayne Wade gets the benefit of it because of his legendary status. But I'm glad that he was able to say, you know what, it's better if I come off the bench because Jerry Smith allows him to spread the floor better. Jerry Smith is a better defender. Uh, now we see essentially basically the original last season rotation, except for inserting Derrick Rose into the point guard position, which worked for them. I think, you know, Tristan Thompson... Uh, easy the burden of Kevin of Kevin Love defensively. LeBron James can play wherever he wants on the floor, but you want to have he's still going to be the point guard. I mean, Derek Rose isn't really a point guard, uh, and you know your second unit now is Jeff Green, uh, Crowder, uh, Dwayne Wade. You know that's still a good second unit. So hopefully this works for this team. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's the same as last year's starting lineup, uh, except for your your. Switching in Derrick Rose Kyrie. for Kyrie Irving, and that's a—I mean—that's a huge difference. Yep. That's they're going to continue to have problems there until at least Isaiah Thomas's eventual return, and even then, you don't know what kind of condition Isaiah will be in. And at that point, he'll have to start to adjust and fit into what they're doing as well. So, I mean, I think this could be a bit of a rough season for Cleveland. And when I say rough, rough season, right. they're not. Missing the playoffs, they're not falling out of the the top four in the East. But I, I don't think they're winning the East, not in the regular season. There's an opportunity there for the Raptors, for the Wizards, the Celtics, and whoever else to to maybe gain some ground on them early in the year. But for Cleveland, as we know, it's all about the playoffs, and that's why they are cycling through so many lineups. Right. I think early in the year because they know that that this 82 game stretch for them, more than anything else, is preparation right. for what we're going to see from them in April, May, and then they hope in, in June. They're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a learning curve there. I think there's going to be some growing pains, but at the same time, they've got LeBron James and Come springtime, that's when he's king. So as long as he's there, I, I still think they've got to be considered the favorites in the East, even if they don't finish with the conference's best record. For sure. I think one thing is you mentioned that even if Isaiah Thomas does come back healthy on the defensive end, you still have concerns. And I mean, there's kind of a lot of holes in that team where mm-hmm. yep. Dwayne Wade defensively, Isaiah Thomas defensively, uh, Derek Rose is okay defender, Kevin Love. So a lot more onus is going to be on guys like Jay Crowder or Tristan or LeBron. So um, it's going to be tough, but they're going to, as you mentioned, this is an audition process for the playoffs. I think in a perfect world for them, and if everything clicks, everything goes right, they could actually be in a better position come playoff time than they had been the last couple of years because the knock on them in the past has been their depth, that they've been yeah. top-heavy, that certainly that's criticism that LeBron has made. And that's just the reality when you're paying three guys as much as they were paying Kyrie Love and LeBron, it's tough to fill out your roster. And Tristan, too. So the reality was always going to be that they'd have to probably trade one of those three guys in order to uh, fill out the roster a little bit, and it always seemed like it was going to be Love. In the end, it's Kyrie. But they've gotten, I mean, that's why I say in a best-case scenario where they're healthy and their guys are playing well, They've got a couple rotation players now in exchange for the one in Kyrie with Crowder and Isaiah Thomas coming in. You've added Wade. You've added Rose. Um, So theoretically, this could be a deeper team. And it's a veteran team, which could also help you come playoff time. But when I say perfect world, there's 
there's more there's there's not as much room for error I, I think now Agreed. there's more things that can go wrong in Cleveland because you're relying on older players right. you're yep. relying on injury prone players and you do need a lot to go right this, the only difference now is that which is better for them is that because they had the big contracts they would get like older guys at the end of their contracts or on the tail end of their careers but they've got older guys who can still contribute but the injury is a, injury issue is a concern so it's going to be interesting to see how they play it this year and how Ty Lue manages them. Right. Hypothetical question for you. If you were retired and you knew you were going to be enshrined in the NBA Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, excuse me, would you want MJ or Phil? I think it's, and I know where you're going with this. You're alluding to Kobe Bryant. I yes. Who's still four years away from being enshrined? I'm sure someone asked him because I, I hope he's not <laughs> already, already sending invitations. I mean, it's tough to pose that question to me because obviously I haven't played with those guys. I mean, but I'm, like, I'm, I would probably put yourself, have Jaylee, in, Col- put your, put yourself in Kobe's position. If you were Kobe, would you want MJ or would you want Phil? Well, who would you want to welcome you? Well, why would MJ welcome him? But MJ, MJ, and Kobe had a lot of dot like they. MJ talked to Kobe a lot, apparently. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Like, I mean, you you want some somebody that was like instrumental in in your career it would have to be. Phil, well, theoretically, it? Michael was because Kobe patterned his whole game after Michael Jordan. And right, he but wanted, he I wanted to be gonna... like Mike. Okay, so let's say hypothetically, and this is a major hypothetical. Right. Demar Derozan and would end up going to the Hall of Fame, which again, I'm not suggesting that he will. That would be like Kobe Bryant introducing him because right. of the influence he had on his career. I, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I think that you've you've got to have somebody that actually, uh, whether they drafted you or coached you or who, worked yeah, with who you actively for, worked with you yeah. and shaped your career. But you know that's that's the ultimate Kobe thing to do because look, he he wants to be like Mike so bad he's gonna have Mike introduce him and their relationship isn't really there. You know what I mean? Like is, it, is, is this is this is out there? there? Is this a possibility? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was out. He, he, he said, put he it said out yesterday. No, or is there an actual relationship that the two of them have kept so secret that none of us really know about, and they're the best of friends? Well, I know th- because, I, like, like for me, even if a person didn't have a direct hand in the way my career went, but if I have that relationship, because when you when it comes to the induction, you can have anyone who's part of the Hall of Fame welcome you. Of course, but you want them to be able to speak on a level of experience right. with that person in terms right. of like kind of watch them evolve and grow. And, and at that point, and that's a, and you know what, and a lot of that's happened from afar for Michael. Like I mean, Michael has obviously seen what Kobe's done, but he can't say you know can't pull up those stories, anecdotes yeah. where that this happened or whether they've been playing on the Olympic team together. So you know, Phil has seen the evolution of Kobe from like a rookie to. Uh, From literally an 18-year-old. Yeah, so if Kobe should pick Phil, but who knows? I'm picking Peyton. You're picking (laughs) for Kobe or for you? For me, I was making a joke because he had nothing to do with my career. (laughs) We continue on here on home court. Coming up, we will talk Blazers and Raptors as we get to speak with beat reporter for the Portland Trail Blazers, Casey Holdall. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050's Home Court. Josh Lewinberg, Dwayne Watson, I'm Megan McPeak. As we continue on, we've got the Raptors and the Blazers coming up on Monday night. I got the day right, Josh. And joining us now on the line, Trailblazers beat writer, Casey Holdall. Casey, thank you so much for taking some time. We appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Casey, looking ahead to Monday night, but also just 
you know, this early season that the Blazers have had, they didn't have C.J. McCollum for a game because of him stepping off the bench three steps and being suspended, unfortunately. But they've had a couple bounce-back wins from it. They've had a little bit of an up-and-down through these first few games. What are you seeing from this team? And now Miles Leonard is going to be out for potentially four weeks. Yeah, Myers it will be out for a while. He wasn't really in the rotation anyways, so uh, he was basically getting getting minutes situationally basically when, when someone else got into foul trouble or when they were playing DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, so not a not a probably a huge issue there. But yeah, the one of the, the main things this Trailblazer team going into training camp and, and really for the past, you know, four seasons under Terry Stotts is really trying to improve defensively into at least a an average defensive unit. Um, as I'm sure you guys might be aware, Trailblazers have, have been one of the you know, one of the worst defensive teams, having a great offense that has carried them uh, through most of the seasons, but but have never really got there on the defensive end. Early this season, it looks like they, they've made some strides. I think they're fifth right now in defensive efficiency. The uh, the rub, though, is, is that they haven't really played great competition yet. Uh, obviously, they played the Suns in the opener and, and won that game in historic fashion. They get the Suns again tonight. Uh, they played the Pacers without Miles M- Turner. And then, you know, they, they lost to to the Bucks by one point with Giannis Antetokounmpo having a career game. And then, uh, I believe, uh, two nights ago, they lost to the Clippers with Blake Griffin hitting a, a buzzer-beating three-pointer to win the game. So, kind of the, the, <laughs> the main talking point with the Trailblazers right now is that no one's really exactly sure what team they are because they – they're either beating teams that they should beat easily or they're losing to good teams by you know, one or two points. So uh, it's still kind of a, a wait-and-see approach early in the season for Portland. Okay, so you talk about the Blazers and like you know knowing what team they are, and obviously their backcourt is kind of unquestioned, uh, and I think Nurkic really helps the team as being a, a next option in the frontcourt. But who is the other most important player on this team or can be such a key for this team to kind of move forward? Well, one of the guys that, that they really need to, to be healthy and to play well is Alfred Camino. Uh, by far their best defensive player, and, and one of the reasons they struggled so much last year defensively uh, was because Aminu was in and out of the lineup with, with a quad injury. So, uh, you know, he, he's kind of he's not really a big name, but he's a guy who, who really kind of unlocks the things that they want to do defensively. He's a guy who can switch on to, you know, one through four, play some five when, when other teams are going really small. And, and there's a guy who, who again, is a, is a lockdown defender who has shown that on occasion he can hit the, the, uh, the corner three, shot 36% from three, Two years ago, which was by far career high, regressed back to I believe around 32 or 33 percent last year. So, so, you know, kind of the the three and D player that that a team that has Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the front court uh, is going to need, or excuse me, the back court, because I mean neither one of those guys are, are are great defensive players. So they they need other places on the roster to kind of make up for for whatever deficiencies defensively those two might have. And Al Farouk Aminu, along with, with Mo Harkless, uh, are two guys who, who really, when they're playing well and when they're on their game, uh, it, it, like I said, it unlocks the capability of, for the Trailblazers to at least be an average defensive team to pair with their fantastic offense and you know, hopefully uh, have success from there. Casey, the Blazers got just uh, 11 points from their bench in that loss to the Clippers the other day. Uh, do they have enough firepower? With that second unit, and who are they looking to as part of that group to to really be the guy that anchors that that unit? Yeah, you know, bench scoring is another issue, an area that they've had issues with in the past. And actually, you know, before that Clipper game, people were pointing to their bench scoring as as one of their their strong suits so far this season. I believe, uh, I I think in at least in the wins against the the Suns and the Pacers, I think they, they got huge contributions from the bench, so uh, to see it kind of regress back versus the Clippers was disappointing. Uh, the guys that they really need to come up, uh, Evan Turner, a guy who, who obviously signed that big contract two off-seasons ago, he's kind of looked to, to to be like the 
the guy who runs that second unit. I mean, Evan can score, and but he's mostly out there for ball handling and defense, and you know he's the guy that kind of runs that that second unit. And then you have you know whichever one between Mo Harkless or Alfred Camino is coming off the bench. That's another guy who they're looking to, and also uh, Ricky Caleb Swanigan. Uh, out of Purdue is, is a kid who, you know, is, is NBA ready. And, and as soon as he's, he's kind of getting up to the speed of the NBA game, and I think he's a guy early on they're going to look to to, you know, provide a little scoring pop off the bench because you're right. You know, they do have a, a pretty solid starting five. But after that, they, they do need one or two guys to step up and really, you know, kind of take that mantle on the bench. And, and Terry Stotts does a good job of staggering his lineups, uh, meaning that basically either Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum is always on the floor at one point in time. Very rarely are both those guys off the floor. And the reason for that is because, I mean, you're seeing more and more coaches do that. But particularly in Portland's case, you know, they, they are a bit thin when it comes to just scoring options off the bench. And so they know that, you know, their best chance is to have either Damian or C.J. on the court with whoever it is that's going to be in that second unit. Casey, you mentioned Damian and C.J., obviously an elite backcourt, one of the league's best. Where do you unbiasedly rank them in terms of top backcourts in the NBA? You know, I, I'd probably have to put them somewhere in the in the three to four range. Uh, I, I think obviously you look to Golden State uh, as the one, or you know, with the way they played so far. I well, I guess he hasn't played a whole lot so far with Chris Paul, but I think you obviously have to have uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, somewhere in those top one or two. And then I, I think you know, I think Damian and, and CJ have a good claim with you know the likes of John Wall and Brad Beal, and um, well, I guess that's about it. Kyle and Demar. Oh, yeah, I put them. I put them probably. What's that? Kyle and Demar. Oh, and of course the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Excuse me. Who? What, I need to realize I'm talking to. Yes, I, I would put them around that that range. So the, the three, four, five. I think. I think you know the Raptors obviously have a good case. I think the Warriors or the, excuse me, the Wizards have a good case. And I think the Blazers do as well. I, I think obviously the Raptors probably give you with with Lowry and DeRozan probably a, more of a defensive look than any of those other options. I, I think that that you probably look to to McCollum and, and Lillard if you want to go for a pure offensive look. But obviously the game's played on both sides. So, yeah, I think the, the those guys are all in that mix. And, and really just speaks to the fact that, you know, it is really a guard's league now. And there and you look up and down, you know, every NBA team seems to have a great point guard, which is why, you know, particularly out here in the West, a lot of guys end up getting left off that all-star team every year because there's so much talent. So, uh, you know, there's... There, there's definitely no shame in being the, the third, fourth, or fifth best backcourt in the NBA right now because there's there's a lot of good ones. Luckily, we'll be able to see if that changes when it comes to the All-Star with the way that they're doing the draft this year. But, Casey, um, a really short, fun one for you, and we're looking way ahead, but sometimes I like to do that, and it really bugs Josh, but it's fun because it's not Josh <laughs> getting the question this time. What does this team need to do to be able to get over the hump in the playoffs? In the play, well, one, they need to not meet the Warriors in the first round. That, that would be one way that they could do it. And again, they, they need to become a much better defensive team, particularly in the, in the playoffs. Teams play every single possession. And when you're just a so so to bad defensive team, as the Trailblazers have been, you know, at times, you, you can't win a playoff series. So basically, duck Golden State and play a whole lot better defense. All right, Casey, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight on the Blazers that we don't always get to see being on the East Coast. Well, uh, we always love coming there to Toronto, and uh, we, we love the fans up there up north. So uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Casey. Once again, beat, repi- beat reporter excuse me, for the Portland Trailblazers, Casey Holdall. And 
Interesting that he didn't, you know, it didn't click right away. You're talking to Toronto peeps. You might want to throw DeMar and Kyle in DeMar's there. DeMar's right not going to be happy if he's listening. <laughs> Hashtag prove him. Well, I'm not even mad that, because it's Toronto peeps, but there's a game coming up against this team, so it's not even like they're not, oh. it's not in his are you, radar. Are you, are you saying he might have just poked the, the no, bears? No, I'm just saying, bears, like, if you will. hey, hey. <laughs> but, I mean, I asked unbiasedly. It was a little biased. It's okay. I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. I think that... I found it interesting. He said defensively, but you know, our, our producer uh, Lindsey Dunn told us that Casey's a funny guy, and I that was pretty funny. Not mentioning Damar and Kyle there. She, you're right, Lindsey. Hilarious. She got, she got it right on that one. But no, I I like you, Dwayne. Did find it interesting that he thought they were better defensively than Kyle and Damar. Well, also I think I look at this Portland team, and they're kind of like the Raptors team without elements. I mean, they've got a great backcourt. I really like Nurkic as a big guy, but they don't have much more depth beyond those guys. They've right. got, like, you know, Alfred Romino, who's a good defender, but he's not a guy, you know, like, so they've they still have ways Davis. to go, and they're playing They're playing in the Western Conference, so you can't afford to be that thin yes. um, in a conference that deep. I'm not even sure they're a playoff team in the West, to be honest. I'm not. I, I mean, that, it's, they're, it's, they're on the fringe. They're, I, wouldn't, they're on the I, wouldn't, fringe. I wouldn't disagree with you, but like like Dwayne said, like I would say they're like eight, maybe nine, maybe ten fighting to get in because they're like Dwayne said they're missing so many pieces. Like they outside of the starting unit, you've got what maybe two guys coming off the bench that you can count on. The Clippers are better. The Rockets are better. The Grizzlies are better. The Spurs are better. The Warriors, uh, the Timberwolves. I, I I think the Nuggets could be better. I think the Jazz could be better. I don't know. About That's the already jazz, eight right there. But I mean, they're definitely at the lower lower level, despite despite the talent. The Thunder, sorry. And I mean, you got to look at this team. Like, how can this team move forward? They're paying Damian a lot of money. They're paying CJ a lot of money. They can't add assets to this ball club. Right. So, can this backcourt continue to be there and this team flourish? But hey, we'll see. We'll see. It will be interesting to see what happens with this Blazers team and what happens down the stretch. Stretch, excuse me, once again, the Blazers and the Raptors on Monday night. Keep it locked right here as home court continues. Do remember the Maple Leafs are in action again tonight against the Flyers. The game puck drop at 7 p.m. Pre-game will start at 5 p.m. right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back to home court right here on TSN 1050. Josh Lewinberg, Dwayne Watson, Megan McPeak, Gentlemen, a full slate actually this afternoon and this evening in the NBA as we look ahead. Is there any specific matchups, storylines, players that you guys are really looking at to, you know, are you looking at maybe a bounce back for Lonzo Ball uh, after last night's game? The Lakers um, are in action second night of a back-to-back. They're actually at Utah tonight, so a tough one after a tough loss last night to the to the Raptors. They've got to jump on the charter, head to the head to Utah, deal with the altitude on a quick back to back, and deal guys. with Utah. I'm not like, shitting it's here for them. I mean, Lonzo's in my fantasy team, so I'm looking for a bounce back. But <laughs> I mean, they're young guys, so I don't think the back to back, and you know, they're young. I mean, this. Rockets Grizzlies game, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at yeah. right yeah. now here. A rematch of last Monday's game. Yeah, and the Grizzlies have been like, you know, they lost Zach, they lost Vince. Um, you know, they've still been playing well. They've had some young guys stepping in. I think this Grizzly team, you know, Fitzgerald's done a good job with his own personnel. Chandler Parsons is actually playing basketball games. The the Grizzlies are sort of like the baby Spurs to me in that every year we look yeah. at the roster and we're like uh, they haven't really added that much same sort of group veteran guys they're they're gonna fade maybe they lost a player or two but Antonio too sir 
And, and obviously, it's very different than the the Spurs in that they they don't have a Greg Popovich running the show. They've cycled through a few coaches over the time in which they've been a Western Conference playoff team, going from Hollins to. Um, I, I had it Jaeger, Jaeger bomb, and now, <laughs> and now obviously to Fisdale, but all three of them I, I thought did a good job and yeah. have done a good job with that team, and again somehow they always find a way to hang around in the conversation, and they've been, I think probably the biggest surprise as a team, anyways, to begin this season four and one, with wins o- over. A couple of really good teams. Yeah, they're a team in the beginning of the season. I was thinking, ah, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year because they've lost so many different players, and right. the West is tough. And they're still looking like the same old Grizz. And I think the you grindhouse. Know, yeah, they take on the personality of their city. And I mean, Houston is still Houston, so I think that's an interesting game. Well, that's why I was talking before the break. Like, I, I know we were talking about like Portland, what their key is to breaking through in the playoffs. Well, for one, it's going to be making the playoffs because, like, for for the Blazers, that that's going to be really tough. We, we're going yep. through those teams before the break, and obviously there are the elites, the the ones that jump into your mind right away with OKC and Houston, Golden State, uh, San Antonio, but then when you consider the young and up-and-coming teams, teams like Denver and, and Minnesota, Memphis, who's always hanging around, the Western Conference is really tough. tough. You don't want to be the bottom of that seating, no. even if you make it, because you want to play the Rockets or the Warriors or the Spurs in the first exactly. round. No. No. Another game I'm actually looking at to do, to today is the Cleveland-New Orleans game, but then on Monday, I know I'm jumping ahead, but Minnesota and Miami. I'm interested to see that game. What, what intrigues you about the Cleveland-New Orleans game? No Anthony Davis. Not a good sign for, for New Orleans. However, they had a good, like, if Boogie can play the way he did, I'm not asking him to go for 41, but if Boogie can play the way he did in his return to Sacramento and have that kind of impact and sort of take the team on his shoulders and sort of encompass that that fight, I think it, it will... We might see a different New Orleans team, and who knows? Who knows? I, what I he's going to need to go for forty one. I love Boogie. Like, who but knows what's going on with this Cleveland team either? I think the motivation for Sacramento kind of was really what drove that. I think he can still put up good numbers, do big things, but to get to get the rest of the team to kind of like rise up and, and play at that level is a challenge, especially against Cleveland. No, I mean I don't know. I think and he's I, th- I, th- play up I to think those he's teams. probably at his best without Anthony Davis, and I think Anthony Davis is probably at his best without Cousins. That hasn't worked to this point, no. and I, I don't think it will. And it, it's not a surprise to me. It's not a surprise, I, I don't think, to most people that this hasn't been a successful experiment. Now, the, the sample size is still relatively small, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's anyone outside of maybe the, the folks in New Orleans that have high hopes for it working. I mean, it, the NBA, it's more than just simply adding talent. These aren't fantasy basketball teams. Right. This is uh, reality where chemistry plays such a big part in a team's success. You have to have players that mesh, that fit in with one another. And even though this is the new age positionless NBA, it's still important that you have enough depth around the roster. You have guys that can bring you uh, shooting depth, guys that can handle the ball and make plays. And then, yeah, guys that can dominate and score in the low post, but they're just so post heavy without much else right. on their depth chart outside of maybe Drew Holiday that I, I I don't include them in that conversation of Western Conference teams that I I envision being in the playoff hunt. I, I mean, they could agree. be if everything clicks. But. The other concern I have, too, with that team is the coach. 
And I think it's like you can have, I mean, I'm not saying like I can make that team work, but I think he, Alvin Gentry's been on the quasi, he hasn't been on the hot seat because the team hasn't met an expectation to perform. Yeah. But can he make this work? Can yes. another coach make this work? It's possible. Right. I, I just find that, that matchup interesting. And then as I mentioned, the Minnesota Miami matchup on Monday night in Miami, also to Jimmy Butler after missing two games gets it done. Uh, last night and gets the W against OKC after he was MIA in the final minutes against OKC when Andrew Wiggins hit that game winner. So still proving like I I can still do this. Like don't just, you know, push me aside, cast me aside. And but that's another matchup that I'm very intrigued to watch uh, this coming week is the the Timberwolves and the Heat just because what coach Bolstra again, even though it's still an early sample size, he somehow is managing to still make a little noise with a roster that not a lot of people expect is going to make some noise and definitely didn't expect to make noise last year. And you are still making noise, but it's, no one's really talking about it. I think what they did last year kind of got people ready for this year because they had a lot of injuries last year and they turned it around. I think, you know, adding Olenek and, you know, guys getting older and better. You know, you got, um, you know, the best, the best shooting guard in the NBA, or so he thinks. <laughs> and Dion Waiters. Um, and, I mean, Waiters got, yeah, they got a lot of pieces. I think they're going to be competitive in the Eastern Conference. They're a team that we're not, I don't think is on the fringe in the Eastern Conference in terms of making, making the playoffs. So, and Spolster's a good coach. Goes back to what I was talking about with Pelicans. So I think they're gonna, they could surprise some people. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, the T-Wolves have been a, a mixed bag this season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they have met their lofty expectations at this point. They, they've had a few big wins, including a couple of them over OKC, but they've also had a couple of real bad losses to some inferior teams in the Pacers and the Pistons. Their defense, uh, which was supposed to be better this year, right. especially after adding yeah. Jimmy Butler. Granted, he hasn't played in a couple games, and but Gibson. It, it, it has taken uh, another step backwards, especially over this past week, uh, allowing 116 points to OKC in the win, but then allowing over 120 points in each of the two losses to Detroit and Indiana. So, I, I mean, I'm really fascinated by them this year. They're a great case study to see uh, how quickly a young team can come together. We know it takes time. We know it doesn't happen overnight, but last year was supposed to be their feeling out year. This year they go out, they make the big splash to bring in Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. Uh, So uh, Jamal Crawford there as well. So they've added veteran talent. The expectation in Minnesota is to win now. And get to the playoffs and win in the playoffs. I don't know about winning the playoffs, but yeah. de- certain, certainly to get to the playoffs. I mean, those two losses you mentioned, Pistons and Pacers, both of them were over 20-point losses. Yeah. So yeah. And this is the Pistons and the Pacers team. And, we're not talking about even making the playoffs in the East. Right. And, the, and both of those games, they reverted back to what we saw last year, whereas, you know, decent first half and horrible second half, couldn't close out a game, couldn't even make it a game. And that's a lot of what we saw last year. And both of those losses were without Jimmy Butler missing those two games. So, I mean, like you, Josh, I I find them an interesting team to just keep an eye on and see, you know, the ups and downs and, and what happens with them this season, what what they can do, and where they can find themselves when it comes playoff time. I always find that everyone, or at least a, a big chunk of, of, not just fans, but media around the NBA, we are always a year ahead yeah. on these teams. Last year, everyone thought, okay, this is the year that Minnesota now squeezes into the playoffs, and of course, they were way off. This year, people are looking at them and saying, okay, well, maybe they're in the middle of the, the Western Conference playoff picture, and maybe they squeeze into the playoffs right. this year, but they're still, I think, a year behind what people are expecting, and 
And even Philadelphia, we talked about this last week, is yeah. like people expect Philly to be this year what people expected Minnesota to be last year. Yeah. The T-Wolves weren't last year, and I don't think the Sixers will be this year. They're going to be good at some point. They're, they're a talented team, as are the Lakers. You can probably throw into that conversation as well, but... Uh, it takes time. People see talent, they see youth, they see, you know, and they want it now. They, they think it can translate, right. and it doesn't, you know, the Warriors took a while to get to where they are, and they had a lot of young dynamic pieces, too. It Thunder be, as well. Yeah. It should be interesting, and it should be a fun week in the NBA. Do remember, later on on the station, 5 o'clock p.m., Toronto Maple Leafs pregame show will start, and the puck will drop at 7 p.m. The game will be right here on TSN 1050 as they take on the Flyers. Wednesday night, the Raptors will take on the Nuggets. You'll be able to hear the game right here on TSN 1050. Tip-off set for 9 p.m. And coming up next at 3 p.m., the Dart Guy and Todd Shapiro show for Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson, I'm Meg McPeak. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to protect home court.